So, there we were. Things were looking fucked up beyond all reckoning. Yep, Fubar Central. In my mind's eye, I could see New Orleans burning, the city gone crazy, as its new insane king, and the king of insanity itself, came in on final approach. I looked at the others, a weary, <sighs> screwed bunch, and just said we've got to do something. We can't just meekly surrender into the dying of the light. No sooner had I said that, when we heard a hissing and fizzing sound as pellets were dropped into our cells, filling our lungs and eyes with gas. I had a terrible thought for about a second as I coughed and choked and tears blurred my vision. I thought that was it. End of the road, son. The next thing I know, we wake up in another prison cell, part of a chain gang made up of us four remaining musketeers. And, of course, we have some unwelcome visitors, our old enemies, DuPont, Angel, and Bryce, along with some brain-dead but still lethal enforcers. There was the usual exchange of pleasantries. DuPont told us we were going to meet his god. I replied that I was looking forward to serving them all up to the devil in a hillbilly holocaust. A thin green line strikes back. Angel and Bryce wanted to kick our asses into the next life, but Dupont clearly had other plans for us and restrained them. He gave us a wink and a nod, said our audience with the king would soon be forthcoming, and they all laughed ominously. They departed and left us to stew in our own terrible imaginations. You know, it's no exaggeration to say that I'm not as intimidated about prisons as I used to be. The one we were in still ranked highly above the original hillbilly hellhole, and I was relieved that Dupont was crazy enough to leave us alive. It's not that we're good, it's just that we're unpredictable. You see, who would have thought that Frost's obsession with his magic would inspire a bold move? He managed to secrete the trapezohedron up his ass. Yeah, like Captain Koontz from Pulp Fiction. A risky proposal, since Angel and Bryce are both the kind of people who'd fuck a man up the ass and not even have the courtesy of giving a reach around. Yeah, thanks, Arlie Army. Frost was in an uncomfortable position, and not just because he had a chunk of alien metal shoved up his back passage. There was no way of getting it out. The change in his hands did not allow for that kind of shenanigans, which then led to a supreme act of sacrifice by Wilmot, He's a Marine, so I guess he's used to all kinds of shit in hell, and uh, he went for it. He fished it out. Unfortunately, the levees broke, and Wilmot bore the brunt. Out of the literal shit, into the metaphorical one, as Frost was unable then to activate the box, and not because of his general ineptitude with all things sorcerous. We were worse off than we were ten minutes before. Still locked up with no escape plan, except that now... Wilmot was covered in Frost's last meal. At this point, you'd think that things couldn't get much worse. Uh, but then they did. All this time, we'd avoided using the box due to the Tindalosian threat. A hand of Tindalus, have we had been told, was on Frost's trail, and it was only a matter of time until it arrived. Pliskin had promised a solution as and when it arrived. I don't know, maybe he had a ready supply of dog treats or sticks. But Pliskin was orca food, or so we believed. Whatever. Frost 
manipulated the device successfully. And as he did so, smoke issued through a corner in the corridor beyond the cells. And as we saw the telltale shimmering line appear that heralded the impending arrival of the hound, we knew it had found us. The dog fully materialized, if you can call her a dog. It was ugly, but I figured that us being in the cage would not be much of a problem to it. If you can jump into dimensional barriers, a jail door won't pose much of a problem. The sword tip jumping out of its mouth, though, and the surprised look in its face, that was an unexpected but welcome surprise. A husky but identifiably female voice said, Are you the Pierce? We looked up and saw a not-quite-human Amazonian with an accent that sounded European. She kind of reminded me of Xena or Wonder Woman. She looked feminine, no doubt, but also slightly alien. Six foot eight, solid rack held tight by a black leather bodice with a cup of cuirass and a plated skirt. Now, sure, I like my girl sassy, but this was a step beyond my own comfort zone as was her face and features. It was like her whole frame was stretched. Not human, but not too inhuman either. Are you the Pierce? she asked again as we all stared dumbly. Yes, I'm the Pierce. I mean, yes, I am Pierce, I finally replied, as a distant memory arose from my subconscious. Frost was ahead of me. He said Carcosa, and it all clicked into place. Of course. I read Chance and Martikian's reports. She was from Carcosa. She pulled a slick black blade from a scabbard on her side and sliced the cell door's locks right in two. Then she lifted it off its hinges with one hand and threw it aside. Frost said something about having seen her before, on the shores of Lake Holly in Carcosa. Sure, but she was now looking at me. As she went about efficiently freeing the others, I heard a rattling wheeze from the corridor. I suddenly realized that maybe Orca had come through. Brooks, I said, and for a second my spirits lifted. Brooks might have succeeded. My momentary optimism was short-lived, though, as Ilaria, that was her name, led us out of the cell block into a surveillance room. A charred corpse was lying in one corner. It was still twitching. It was horribly burned, but I knew it was Brooks. It just had to be. I can't say I actually recognized him. I have seen more than my share of burn victims, and I knew that he was done for. I looked at Chief, hoping that his sorcerer's healing powers might work, but he shook his head. The piece of barbecued meat was trying to speak. I leaned in close to hear what he was saying. He said, Stop them. Brooks's last words. He was severely burned, but around his neck, well, fused into the skin on his neck, really, there was a pendant I had never seen before. A lozenge with a triangle in the middle. I looked at Ilaria and asked her what it was. What did it mean? She said she didn't know, but she did know that the amulet had impressed the priest, Neotalba, Carcosa's high priest. It had been enough to give Brooks enough credit for him, Ilaria, who was the guard captain and queen's protector, to be assigned to protect him. She explained that a sorcerer had done this to him. She'd never seen that one, never heard of him, was unable to stop him. Yeah, well, fair enough. It's wondrous how cold rage can bring everything into focus.
We gave the surveillance room the once-over, spotted some armed goons on some screens and a mob somewhere outside. We were on the loose, like Howard Beale, mad as hell and not going to take it anymore. Too many people had pissed us off, and now it was time for payback. The first to get it was the guard outside the surveillance room. In all fairness, he probably never even knew we were there. We got crushed when Chief, Ilaria, and I gave the metal door a mighty shove. Ilaria took out his pal to the other side of the corridor with a metal discus that sliced through the air at a deadly pace and brought him to us. I interrogated the crushed guy. He looked mad. I tried to get him to focus by blowing out his kneecap. He wasn't helpful, so we closed the door on him again a couple of times. Now we were armed. We were on the loose, and no one knew we were coming. We struck more of the crew goons down with great rage, furious anger, and the help of looted guns and Ilaria's great strength and killing mood. One more coded floor. Frost figured it out quickly. K-H-S. Crew of Honorable Swords. This led us into a darkened warehouse floor guarded by six more guys. Seconds later, they were dead, and we were masses of the terrain. We were not quite out of the woods yet. We figured we were in another crew facility, probably a bonded warehouse on the edge of Lakefront Airport. There was a mob outside the chain-link fence, consisting of what seemed to be ordinary citizens, all with the same vacant stares. When we went up onto the walkway onto the warehouse roof, they noticed us and moaned in unison. Unsettling. More unsettling than any of the monsters. Human. I'm talking about you, DuPont, or non-human, that we faced. To the south and west, the Big Easy was burning. Fire was all over the place, from small pinpricks of flame to entire blocks ablaze. Up north, Lake Pontchartrain was a sea of swirling mist. Now and then, the fog seemed to part to reveal towering spires and massive domes. The lake itself was whipped by erratic winds, none of which seemed to dissipate the mists. The sky was full of helicopters, their searchlights like thin probes raking the rooftops of the city. It was time for a plan, time to disrupt someone else's plan, time for payback. <laughs>